everyone, and welcome to the all-new Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. As I promised yesterday, I did a little segue coming into this uh, podcast because I have with me New York Ranger beat reporter Vince Mercagliano, a fellow Italian. Uh, <laughs> so two Italians talking hockey, this will be fun. Vince is with the USA Today Network, and his work can be uh, found on lowhud.com. Vince, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good on this Sunday morning, just relaxing, having my coffee still. it's It's been enjoyable so far. How about you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. So, so as a fellow Italian... Okay, and coffee. Have you like how many cups of coffee do you have? And are you into like dark roast? What what are you into? I, I you know what I've transitioned over the years. When I was younger, I you know I would put milk and sugar in it. And in the last few years, I've been a, a black coffee kind of guy. At night, if I have my espresso, I put a little sambuca in it. That, that's a very Italian thing, I think. Uh, uh, but my my girlfriend makes fun of me all the time because she says that I say coffee. Uh, she thinks that I say it with an accent. Uh, but, but listen, I mean, I, ha- I have a pretty hard accent. I get made fun of all. I say words that people are like, what are you saying? And it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you gr- I grew up in an Italian household. We spoke a little Italian. We spoke, we spoke English. We spoke a lot of broken Italian. I mean, it's funny when you talk to Italian people like American Italians, when they talk to maybe their grandparents or things like that, things like talking in Italian is like, uh, backyard. I'm like going, go to the back. You just spoke Italian and English in one shot. <laughs> like we're, we're, I don't think backyard is an is an Italian word, but somehow well backyard was something that they used to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, folks, uh, Vince and I have a lot to discuss today. Uh, basically, like I said, we're going to be talking a lot about the Rangers uh, and the off season, some moves and some things that have been happening. But before I do that, uh, a word from our sponsors. Support for this episode of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, guys, listen to me. doesn't matter what age you are. When it's time to groom your twig and berries, you need the right tools. You need the right manscaping tools, if you will. Because let me tell you something. I've used different methods and different things in the past. And let me tell you something. When you catch, when you catch him, your eyes bulge and you feel that pain for days. So anyway, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and approved lawnmower 3.0. It may be funny, but it ain't funny when you catch your family jewels. Third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium, the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. 
If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Trust me. Trim it. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUESHIRTS at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Listen to me, fellas. Listen. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUESHIRTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code BLUESHIRTS. You will be happy you did. All right, Vince. Here we are. So this morning... Thanks to the wonderful world of Twitter and social media, uh, a, a post went out, a tweet went out from Tractor, Vitaly Kratsov's team, that read uh, that he was going to be playing with them for a full season, which led me to scramble a little bit this morning. Uh, and, you know, I, I had to send out some feelers, but I mean, it is Tractor's official account. And the original report by Brooks was that, you know, he was on loan, uh, which makes a lot of sense to me considering the, their season starting and the NHL season won't start till December. So it made a lot of sense to loan him. Uh, but it, it turns out, reached out to Kratzos' agent, and that, that story is not exactly accurate. So I believe everything stands as is. I don't know if you have any additional insight into that, uh, but before I even ask that, just kind of segue, additional insight into that, and what do you think about the move of loaning Kratzos to the KHL? Yeah, well, I can definitely, a little bit of insight I can tell you just because we were DMing before I came on and you mentioned this. And so I quickly sent a text to somebody from the Rangers who confirmed that, you know, what, what you've mentioned and what we thought that they can recall him at any time. And that's pretty much my understanding with a guy on an entry-level contract who they put out on loan is that it, it's up to the Rangers when they want to say, hey, we want you back. And, and that's what I was told again this morning. So uh, I definitely think uh, for the fans, there's no need for panic. Uh, you know, Kratzoff, he could be here for training camp. That's not confirmed yet. I think that there's, there's a lot of time before they have to make that decision. But I do think that it remains likely that uh, he will come to North America at some point in the next season and the Rangers have the right to call him back whenever they want. So uh, I, I will say that just to start. And then secondly, I agree with you that I think it's a good thing for him because he really hasn't played much hockey. He hasn't played in a real hockey game in six plus months now. Uh, and I think that for him to go over there, the KHL season is supposed to start September 2nd, I believe, uh, for him to go over there and be able to get some games under his belt coming off of a season where, you know, quite frankly, he did not live up to expectations. I know he was disappointed with the way that he played. I know from going up, I, I did go up and spend a little time uh, with the Hartford team toward the end of the season, got to talk to Chris Knobloch, Chris Drury, the guys that run the team up there. They felt like his attitude was in the right place. And they were seeing subtle improvements from him uh, toward the end of the season. So I think he ended in a pretty good place. But I, I think that they came to the realization that he was not quite ready for the NHL game yet. And I think that anything that he can do between now and the next season to boost his confidence, to get more experience, it should be viewed as a positive thing. I agree wholeheartedly. And you know what's funny is that... <sighs> You know, you're one of the more active reporters on Twitter. Uh, God bless your soul. I, I did that quite a bit, you know, being very active. And, and it is, it, it, it can be great and it can be horrifying. Fans, are, they are very irrational people out there. Um, but, you know, people like, oh, the, the Rangers are messing up their prospects, this, that, that. In a recent podcast, 
for Tony D'Angelo's uh, Watch Your Tone. He had Brendan Lemieux on it. And I thought there was a segment on it, and I think you commented on it uh, as well, about guys who should be in the top six, calling them up just to throw them on a fourth line and play six minutes, and how that could absolutely destroy a prospect. And to me, if you're not ready to give a guy like Kratzoff at least decent third-line minutes of about 14 a game, 12 to 14 a game, then don't bother taking him out of a place where he can, can still develop and keep his confidence high. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I thought it was really interesting to hear Lemieux and, and Tony talk about that. This is something that when we had access to the locker room, which now feels like ages ago, but when I was able to go in there and talk to players, these were the kind of conversations that you could have in a candid way. And it wasn't even necessarily for a story, but that is what I have tried to, you know, keyword try relate to the fans when we're talking through Twitter is that, you know, of course it looks sexy. It seems exciting to say, bring up Kratzoff, bring up, uh, bring up Lundquist, bring up Keandre Miller, bring up any of these prospects that we know, understandably the fans are very much looking forward to seeing in a Ranger uniform, but you know, it, it's it, there's more of a process to it than that. And we also know that when, when you look at the way that the Rangers are managed, the fourth line, you know, like everybody made a big deal about, uh, you know, Leah Sanderson, Brett Howden, the guys that were playing on that fourth line in the beginning of the season. But, you know, look at their average time on ice. Those guys are seeing very limited minutes. And mm-hmm. in my mind, if it's a high-end guy who, like you said, you envision long-term as a top six guy, in a lot of ways, I think it makes more sense to let him play in the AHL in the top six, I know Kratzoff, you know, for the second half of the season was almost exclusively playing on the top line for the, for Hartford. Um, so, I mean, in my mind, especially until you see him have success at that level, I think that's the big thing with Kratzoff. If he was lighting it up, you would have much more of an argument to say, you know, doesn't matter what line he is, he deserves to be in the NHL, but you know, he was averaging less than a half a point per game. I believe I'd have to double check that, but that's off the top of my head. Uh, and I just don't think that he had gotten to the point where he was really knocking down the door and you had to bring him up yet. So I, I think what Brendan and Tony were talking about was was very interesting to me because that just goes to show the the mental game that these young prospects are going through. It's, you know, they're dying to get to the NHL, but at the same time, as we saw with a guy like Leas Anderson, if you get to the NHL and then you're you're stuck on the fourth line and you feel like you should be playing more, that can also do a lot of damage to your psyche. So it's a real delicate balance. Agreed. No, all, all fantastic points. But you, this allows me to segue now into the restricted free agents, right? We were just talking about two of them, uh, D'Angelo and Lemieux. Um, and you have been writing about the restricted free agents. I know you've started a series of articles that people can read at loha.com. Um, you know, I think you did, you've already hit on D'Angelo, you've hit on Georgiev, right? Those are two that I know off the top of my head. I think you did Jesper Faust. But let's talk a little bit about D'Angelo. And I'm I'm a I understand, and I think you and I went back and forth a little bit on Twitter. Nothing major, right? Because people yeah, can make mountains out of molehills. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But, uh, but the truth of the matter is, so I, when I look at D'Angelo and I look at the Rangers' current situation and what they have on defense, and just like, like you said, everybody wants to see Keandre Miller. It's almost like Christmas. Oh, we have a new toy to play with. No, 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 no. It's not how it works when you're trying to develop players and team because it is – you're talking human beings. Yes, they're athletes, but they're humans, and they have 
they have confidence just like anybody else and you can hurt that and that could impact their play and the decisions they make on the ice because they could be overthinking or holding the stick too tight. Things that we all just assume these guys can do with their eyes closed. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to D'Angelo, you got a 25-year-old right-handed shot defenseman who can quarterback a power play, finished fourth in scoring for defensemen this past season, would have had over 60 points in a full season, and has a keen ability to do what very few Rangers seem to be able to do at the blue line, and that is get his shots through, especially on the power play, which causes havoc down low for rebound goals and everything else. I don't feel this is a guy we should be talking about getting rid of. I don't think he should be signed long-term, as a restricted free agent, considering a ball, you know, Lils Lundqvist is not next season, but the season after can come. Um, and we don't know what we have in Calendary Miller yet. What are your thoughts? Should he be retained almost among all the restricted free agents we have? Should he be at the top of that list right now for at least a two-year deal? That's a great question. Uh, that is that is definitely one of the most pressing questions the Rangers are dealing with this offseason. I, I think what I wrote at the top of the story was a. Uh, I believe D'Angelo is the most complicated case that, they, that they'll be discussing and dealing with this offseason. You know, you, you make great points about the reasons to keep him. And, and I think that keeping him on a short-term deal makes a lot of sense. I also have been vocal that I don't think giving him a long-term deal makes a lot of sense uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, number one, you know, the Rangers do have quite a few defense, defensive prospects that we know are likely coming at some point in the next couple of years. And, and you know, Niels Lundqvist is a guy that you have to figure is at least going to get a shot to play in the NHL. And we've seen that the Rangers are pretty strict about, or at least under David Quinn, about keeping their right-handed defenseman on the right side and their left-handed defenseman on the left side. And if you look at the right side, I mean, the pe- what I wrote in my story is, D'Angelo is third in the pecking order. Now, the, the points obviously are, are something that nobody else on the roster can match in, in terms of defensemen. But the all-around ability, the, the, the time on ice, all of that, I mean, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Jacob Truba, especially given his contract, is ahead of D'Angelo in that pecking order. And Truba led the team in average time on ice this season, so the, the usage shows that he's the guy the Rangers <laughs> prefer out there, uh, in, especially in, a, in an even-strength situation. And – Adam Fox, I thought, and I don't think many people would disagree with this, was their best overall defenseman this season. So, and, and Fox, yes, he's still on an entry-level contract. He's still relatively cheap. But within the next year or two, you're going to have to think about what his long-term contract is going to look like. And I'm quite sure the Rangers don't want to let him go. So how much money are you willing, especially in a flat cap era, willing to tie up to just the right side of your defense, knowing D'Angelo at even strength is probably going to be your third-pair defenseman? So... Uh, if they could keep him on a reasonable short-term deal and find a way to manage their tight cap situation when we talk about the other guys that we're going to talk about, Strom, Lemieux, what they do with the goalies, uh, what they do with Jesper Fast, do they try to get more creative? I mean, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into that more, but there's just so many different variables here. So I, I think that it makes the, – the, the number one option would be bring D'Angelo back on a short-term deal. Uh, from there, if he's not amenable to that, I think arbitration, I would not rule that out. And I do think that because of the long-term considerations that we've talked about, that at some point, whether it's this offseason, next offseason, in the middle of the season, that it makes sense. And I would say this about virtually anybody on the team, except for, you know, the, a handful of Panarins and, and Mika and, and Chesterkins, that it makes sense for Gorton to at least find out 
how other teams value him, see what the trade market looks like. That's not to say that I think he should be traded, but I think that it behooves you to explore all those options because in the long run, you can't keep all these guys. Listen, always keep your ears open. That makes total sense because even if you don't trade him now and you get to the deadline and you want to make a a move then, you'll at least know who are the guys you can come knocking at the door with and say, are you interested again now at this point in time? Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. You know, just because it's funny, and like I said, you're, I'm pretty active on social media. I, I actually, I'm active in reading and, and looking and somewhat, sometimes interacting. But when you did put the article out, I did find it funny that D'Angelo actually commented on it. And like, you know, at least throw in a first round pick. I mean, that's got to be pretty funny for you, right? Yeah, it's, and you know what? I, I will say this about Tony. I'm definitely not getting into his politics or anything like that. You know, I... Personally, if I was his agent or somebody that was close to him, I would probably not be advising him to get into that uh, too much on social media. But I don't even, you know, that, that's besides the point. The, the fact that he's willing to engage, willing to respond. And, you know, before the pandemic, that was something that I enjoyed about him is that I knew I could go into the locker room and I could go up. He's one of those guys that you you could go up to and talk about anything and he will always give you an honest answer. So from a reporter's standpoint, you have to respect that. Whether whether you agree with his opinion or not is completely irrelevant. Um, you know, the fact that, that he's willing to engage, that's something that I appreciate. And you know what, like, you know, in the off season, he's one of the guys that, that, you know, will DM you will, will reach out. Like, you know, we will talk a little bit of time. So, uh, I know that there's been times where he may have said something that on social media looked like he was maybe trying to, you know, call me out or, or took issue with something, but then you get a DM that says, Hey, you know, I'm just messing around. You know, he, he's, he's the kind of guy who reads a lot. He goes on social media a lot and, you know, we can talk about whether or not that's a good thing, but that's who he is. You know, that, like it or not, that's who he is. Uh, and he is not shy about expressing his opinion. And, you know, again, all that stuff kind of is what it is, taking the politics out of it in, in terms of being willing to engage with a reporter about what I'm writing. From a reporter standpoint, that's kind of cool. I'm, uh, you know, I have no issue with that. I think it's cool. I think seeing that kind of interaction is refreshing. You know, we do say a lot of times that we want, you know, these players to be more accessible or to have person, you know, personalities. And then, you know, we get then the same people say things like that again, but bent out of shape sometimes. And I don't get it. It's like, otherwise, you know what? You're going to get your same cookie cutter response every time. Yeah. We're trying to go to the net. Yeah. We played hard. Yeah. We're sorry. We didn't, you know, we, we tried and you know, the other team played well, all kudos to them. And you're just like, Oh God, I, I know a lot of reporters can't stand torts, but I almost find that there's more to write when he says not almost nothing or walks off this, off this, off the set, you know, of his presser than when he, when he gives you a coach gets cookie cutter responses. You know what I mean? What are your, what are your thoughts on torts? Really? From, from afar, he obviously, you know, those things make you laugh. And I've talked to reporters that have covered him that, you know, have, have said, you know, if you if you under the more you understood him, the better their interactions would be. But, you know, there would be times where you just had to expect that you were going to get chewed out or you're going to get walked out on or something like that. And, you know, from a professionalism standpoint for I could understand how certain reporters would take issue with that. I mean, we have jobs to do. And when you refuse to comment or give us any quotes to work with, that makes our jobs a lot more difficult. And and that's just not the way it should be. So I can definitely understand taking issue with that. But, you know, he's such a character that it's like, you know, he's got to make you smile sometimes with his antics. Like, you know, we've kind of come to expect it at this point. And I I, I will also say this um, uh, with with D'Angelo, you know, 
him, him being active on social media is one thing. Him having opinions is one thing. But I also wrote this in, in the story that I wrote about him last week is that, you know, he has made clear missteps where I, I think whether you want to call it maturity or whatever. And I definitely think that, you know, based on talking to some sources and whatnot, that one of the things he did recently where he kind of got into it with a fan and was challenging the fan to meet him outside of MSG was something that was addressed. Um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I think where he takes it too far. And quite frankly, I know that I don't think that it's going to affect whether or not the Rangers bring him back, but I know this is something the Rangers have internally discussed and that they would probably rather not see. They, they don't want to muzzle him in terms of his freedom of speech or his opinions, but, you know, doing things that are going to, you know, whether it's over the top offensive to somebody or whether it's outright challenging a fan to a fight. I mean, those, those to me, those are things that like, you know, I'm not going to be afraid to call him out on. And he knows that, you know, like that's, I would like to think there's a mutual respect there that uh, I'm going to try to be uh, honest and straightforward one way or another, whether, you know, I'm messing around with him about a story that I wrote or whether I think he, he did something that was quite frankly, not the smartest thing. Right. That's 100% the opposite, you know, swing of the pendulum, so so to speak, from having some character and, you know, being fun on Twitter. And then that's just not what you want to say. I, I agree. I, I don't think that's that's a professional athlete needs to rise above whatever it is and, and just not make it tough for himself and for the organization he represents. It's just like working for a company. Yeah. But we're talking about RFAs, right? So there are two more RFAs uh, that I want to talk about and what your thoughts are. Uh, Ryan Strom, who I think has done an admirable job uh, since coming here, even before Panarin, uh, of taking on a, a center position and doing a really good job, to be honest, and Brendan Lemieux. Now, the reason why I want to bring them up, and along with D'Angelo, is all three play a, a, a similar style with regards to they don't back down. D'Angelo is not known to back down on the ice. He's, you know, it's not about fighting. Okay. I know a lot of people don't understand this toughness and grit thing, you know, and, and you, you and I could probably have a big conversation about the analytics community or analytics in general. And I just, I think that sometimes it's not blended perfectly with what's actually happening on the ice um, sometimes, but those guys are tough. They don't back down and they don't, if you try and take away an inch, they'll respond. Unlike a guy like Heedle, who Ron Duguay apparently doesn't like. I had him on a podcast, and he's like, really nice kid, offensive, talented player, but doesn't like when he's pushed, he doesn't respond back. And when you do that, especially in a playoff series, it's like blood in the water, and they and it'll totally ruin you. And it makes it very difficult for your teammates too, you're trying to get you get you some room. The Rangers are very offensive. They play a lot of east-west. These are more potentially north-south players, especially Lemieux. And I spoke with Duguay, who had those kind of sentiments. That's why the Rangers didn't, they were really easy to beat in the playoffs, according to him. I spoke with an agent as well, who wanted to be anonymous on it, about the Rangers having two one-dimensional type of team, and they need more players like Lemieux, D'Angelo, and Strom to play that style, making them more important to sign. What are your thoughts about those two RFAs? Do you think the Rangers also go full steam ahead and get them also penned for about two years themselves? Yeah, well, Lemieux and Strom are the next two that I'm writing about. The plan is to, to publish Lemieux on Monday and then Strom on Tuesday. I think Lemieux to me is in many ways the easiest case. Um, 
number one, he he is going to be the cheapest of at least that, uh, you know, Strom, D'Angelo, Lemieux trio that we've discussed. So I think fitting him is relatively easy. And I do think it was one game, obviously a very small sample size, but I do think that what you saw from him in that one playoff game that he did play was what the Rangers need more of. I mean, I believe he had five shots on goal. I believe, I believe, but yeah, that was one of his best games of the season. I thought, I mean, Mm -hmm. he, he came out and he really gave them an added layer of energy. Uh, You know, you talk about guys that don't back down. That's part of it. But I also think part of it is, you know, Lemieux is a guy that isn't afraid to bully his way into, you know, what Quinn all the time calls those dirty areas. You know, he's one of the few guys you saw him on the second power play unit, uh, at points during the season, mostly because he was one of the only guys they have that's capable of really getting to the net front and, and you know, screening goalies or, you know, tipping in or just pushing guys around and kind of standing up to that. So he's a guy that I think is very willing to do that. We know he's willing to play the physical aspects of the game, you know, whether it's checking, whether it's fighting. Uh, he, he's one of the guys that his teammates really look to to stand up in those situations uh, when they need somebody to step up. So and I mean, I think, you know, like I, I was looking at the evolving uh, hockey contract projections, which are by no means set in stone, but, you know, they were estimating he'll cost about 1.3 million. I think that range is probably about right. Uh, and that's something that given the Rangers tight salary cap situation for a bottom six guy who brings those kind of things that they know they need more of in their lineup. To me, he's kind of a no brainer to hold on to. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke to an agent about this uh, last week. You know, if you look, if you look, you know, obviously it's hard to compare Brendan to his father, Claude, who won a Conn Smythe and won four Stanley Cups. But his father had the reputation for always stepping up in the playoffs. And I think you have to wonder if Brendan might be one of those guys who game, whose game, you know, he might not put up a lot of points in the regular season, but his game profiles well to that tough, gritty style of hockey that you see in the playoffs. So Brendan, again, I think he's likely coming back. I think Strom is likely coming back, too. But I think he falls into the same category with D'Angelo where the Rangers would be willing to do something short-term with him. They would hesitate to do something long-term with him. Um, Because, you know, quite frankly, if you look at his career, this was his only really, really standout season. And I think that it might be ill-advised to reward him with some big, you know, six, seven-year deal coming off of one decent season. I think you want to see it a little bit more than one season. But with that said, it makes a lot of sense to bring him back because what are their options if they don't bring him back? Unless, of course, and I'm sure we can get into all this more, the Rangers find some trade partner and are able to snag a second-line center elsewhere. But if they can't pull that off, then I don't really see how they don't bring Strom back. Yeah, I'm having a hard time looking at the market and figuring out what trade they can possibly make for a second line center. The one name that I keep looking at as a possibility, but again, he's $6 million himself for one more year until he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins out in Edmonton. And I think he's playing wing now, but he's also a centerman. So I, I don't know. It It's one of those things. I mean, a lot of fans now, and this is a, to me, this is a fan base rumor. And I think it'd be fun just to talk about it for a second. A lot of people are like, the Rangers should offer sheet Anthony Sorelli. And I'm like going, that's not happening. There's no way Jeff Gordon's offer sheeting somebody's restricted free agent when he's got four of his own. So he's not going to ruin his reputation because Bergevin took a lot of heat for what he did with Ajo last year. And 
GMs have long memories. They remember stuff like that. Um, and the, the bottom line is, I like Sorelli. I don't know. Everyone's like, he's like, this range should go after him and he's going to be a second line center. I'm like, going, I don't know if I see that. He looks a good two way forward. I would love him as a third line center. But because the range is so weak at center, because the, the Lightning are cap strapped and we'll have some problems signing some people, is it possible? Could you see this? I kind of proposed this uh, on the podcast yesterday. Maybe Heedle, who's teetering between center and wing and seems to be more suited for the wing, as Quinn likes to put him there, maybe trade him in a pick since you have so many of them and get the rights to Sorelli and try and sign him yourself and make him your third line center and really improve your center depth. That That's interesting. I mean, Sorelli is – I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago where I identified trade targets for the Rangers. And, again, this – I tried to put this disclaimer in the story. That's not to say I think those trades are happening, but those are guys that I think would be worth making calls on, at least, and kind of gauging what their price tags would be. Uh, and Sorelli is one of those guys. Sorelli makes a lot of sense for me. I mean, he has been used, as with Stamkos out, he has been used as the second-line center for a Tampa team that, as we know, is doing pretty darn good right now. Yes. Um, so I think he would be a great player. I mean, I would, for me personally, uh, I've made calls on him in the last few weeks. Uh, and, and, you know, I have looked at the analytics. I obviously don't get a chance to see him play a ton. Um, but I know a lot of people think he should have been a Selkie candidate this year. So that tells you how good defensively he is. And we know the Rangers could use some upgrades defensively, especially, you know, I wrote this about Jesper Faust. If they use, if they lose Jesper Faust, who is their best defensive forward? Uh, that's kind of a tough question to answer at this point. So uh, to me, he would be an ideal fit. The offer sheet thing is interesting. I definitely don't see it happening. It is curious to me why NHL GMs are so gun shy about doing that. It's kind of odd that it doesn't happen more often, but given the history, it's hard to think the Rangers would do that. I definitely think he's worth making a call on. I definitely think with the Rangers picks that they have, that they are going to look into using those picks to acquire a player who could they, who they could put into their lineup right away. And I think the ideal area to target is obviously center. I asked Jeff Gorton the last time I got a chance to talk to him, you know, with all this draft draft capital that you have, you know, would you be willing, will you, do you expect making calls to kind of see what trades might be out there? And he flat out said yes. And he pointed to what he did last year when he used the first round pick to acquire Truba and a second round pick, two second round picks actually to acquire Adam Fox. So I definitely think that that second first round pick is something the Rangers are shopping. That doesn't mean it's inevitable that they use it, but would Tampa take that first round pick and another player for Sorelli? I don't know. I mean, all indications that I've heard is that Tampa really wants to keep him. But if you yep. look at people's cap situation with him and Sergakov, I think it's going to be virtually impossible for them to fit both of them unless they move some other money around, which, you know, we've seen them do before. They could do it again. But Sorelli is a guy that defensively would be the best center the Rangers have hands down as soon as they got him. And he also, he had 40 something points this season. He's only 23. There's a lot of upside there. I think he, if he was on this team, I would think he would have to be the second line center. Um, So yeah, he's a guy I would definitely make a call on if I was Gorton, but you know, who knows what Tampa's asking price would be. That would be the big unknown because I think you would really have to offer a lot to pry him away. No, makes sense. I'm glad you, I'm glad you got, you know, put that out there. I think you make a lot of good points about it. Apparently he's, you know, he sounds a lot better than what I thought he was. I mean, I'm only seen him play a few times. I like him. Um, you know, second line center. That's a, that's a big, big ass, but maybe that's what he is. And I'm he's 23 I mean, too. So you have yeah. to, think he's only going to get better from here. 
Okay. So let's talk about, uh, we've been talking a lot about a lot of things, RFAs, all these cool little things. We even talked about a trade for Anthony Sorelli. But the truth of the matter is there is, there's an 800 pound girl in the room that needs to be addressed. And it's really got, I think this is an important first domino that needs to fall for the Rangers to really move forward with everything else they may have planned. And I'm pretty sure, you know, it's an organization. They have a very good idea of what they're going to do. Um, but that's Henrik Lundqvist, right? Because I know you wrote a piece about Georgiev. I truly believe the Rangers want a 1A, 1B scenario where Georgiev is backing up Shesterkin and playing 35, maybe 40 games himself. So they're not wearing out the young guy coming over from the KHL who doesn't play that. He didn't never play that much. So you don't want to give him 70 games. And I think the NHL is shifting away from that and mo- moving more towards a, you know, a scenario where your starter pays 50 games versus 70. Um, what do you think is going to happen with Henrik Lundqvist? Because at this point, sure sounds like the tea leaves are reading. The Rangers have let them let him know we're moving on. And I think that's either a, a buyout, more likely than not, a trade second if there's a market for it uh, with 50% salary retention. And then last but not least, a very po- the possibility of a retirement uh, for at least one year playing in Frölunda because I've talked to reporters in Sweden and that seems to be a story that won't go away there regardless of any commitment from, you know, what's happening here. I know Brooks wrote it as well as I did. Uh, but what are your thoughts on it? What do you think is the most likely scenario that's going to happen with Hank? I think more likely than not, he's, he's gone, but I will say that I'm not as convinced as I think some are. I still think from the Rangers perspective, it makes a lot of sense to gauge the market for Georgiev. I don't think that they're going to get a big haul for Georgiev, but if they could find a trade that they like, I mean, to have Lundqvist play out his final year, be a backup slash mentor to Igor, play probably 30 or so games, uh, kind of go out where he started on good terms, um, you know, kind of get the Derek Jeter, Eli Manning sort of farewell tour you know, if Lundqvist is interested in that, I, you know, a lot of this comes down to, to what does he want? And I think JD made it clear that he is very much considering what Hank wants, but they're also having an open dialogue right now. And I'm sure they're discussing all possibilities. And I'm sure that they're being, I mean, I think JD will be honest with him. If JD thinks it's time to move on, I think he will tell him that. Um, so I don't know. I, I could see scenarios both ways where it makes sense. Cause if you buy Hank out, you know, that does open $3 million in cap space but you're probably going to have to give about 2 million of that to Georgiev. So it really doesn't save you all that much money to buy him out. Uh, so that's why to me, it's, it's not really a no brainer to do that. I don't know what the trade market looks like for Lundqvist. I don't think that there would be a great market for him. And if you're going to trade him to retain 50% of his salary, you know, maybe that's something you consider. Of course um, the retirement thing, it's a little hard for me to wrap my head around that. I definitely wouldn't rule it out. But I think it's either buy out Hank or trade Georgiev. I mean, those to me are the two most likely scenarios. And I would think that getting rid of Hank is, you know, a little more of a likelihood in my mind. But like you said, that is a big domino that needs to fall. Uh, And I think that it's a lot of guessing right now because I don't think anybody knows for sure what's going to happen. That that's hundred percent, and the reason why I put buy out first is because and is because the trade market. I don't know if there will be a trade market or, like you said. 
is Gordon going to get what he wants for Georgiev? Does he's going to find value in it? And I find it very difficult looking at what this free agent market is. And there's a lot of goaltenders that are going to become available here. A lot. Yeah. You're talking about Holpe, possibly Markstrom. Uh, you know, those, those are two off the, off the bat. You, Craig Anderson in Ottawa is going to be out there. And there's, going, there's a lot of teams looking for goaltenders too. But at the same time, you know, what is Toronto going to do? Are they going to move on from Freddie Anderson? Is that actually going to happen? I don't think so. But, you know, there is a lot. So I'm not sure they're going to get the haul that was initially reported because I heard they were, they were asking for a lot. They weren't going to give them away. I know Toronto was supposedly interested, but they were refusing to give anything up for them. And they wound up going the cheap route and getting Campbell out of LA, uh, which obviously that didn't work out for them. Uh, in the playoffs at all. They didn't use him. And Anderson obviously showed why people are questioning if he's a clutch goalie in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there are teams, if if you look through it, there are teams that you could say, Oh, you know, Georgiev might, might be an upgrade for them, but it comes down to, you know, what would the Rangers be willing to accept? Like if they were willing to accept maybe a third or fourth round pick, you could probably get that, but they already have two third round picks. They have 10 picks in this draft. I, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to try to flip him for a draft pick. So they probably want a player that can contribute. And I, you know, I don't think you're going to get, you're definitely not getting the second line center straight up for Georgiev. I couldn't see that. So, you know, is there a package where the Rangers maybe package Georgiev and that first round pick, maybe somebody else, a prospect or something and, and are able to get someone they really want. I think they should in due diligence, look into that. But I don't know if that, if that deal is definitely out there for them. All right. So we're going to wrap up on this last topic, right? So the topic is basically going to be Alexi Lafreniere coming in here. And I don't see the Rangers trading the pick. He's a generational talent. I mean, you watch highlight videos of the kid and your eyes bulge. He's that good. So you have Alexi coming in. He's a left wing, right? You could slot him in at the third, Third line, left wing. I, again, I don't know who he's going to play with. There's a lot still out there. Kratsoff being in the KHL. You know, you're not going to have to – I don't think you're going to put two rookies on the same line with Philip Hedel as your third line center. So there's a lot to be, to be discussed there. But having Lafreniere now come in, and I'm pretty sure he's going to play outright next season just like Kako did. That type of a prospect's going to get it right into the lineup. Um, my thought is it does open so many different possibilities. So with that being said, do you see some movement around? What are your What are your thoughts from like a pros, you know possibility of trading a Buchnevich? Do you think that's even there? Because now you have all this. Maybe maybe Kreider can move to the right side on the first line, and Lafreniere can play with you know Kreider and Zibanejad. There's a couple of possibilities. It's a whole new world. What are you thinking is out there? What do you think the Rangers would do in the trade market? What are they looking for? Do they want a left defense partner more than anything? Do you think they'll go after a Tory Krug in the free agent market for Jacob Truba? That's one a little out there, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't think I see them making a big splash in the free agent market. You know, like I, I've crunched the numbers over and over again, and, and it's always changing slightly. But, you know, if you look at their, at their roster going into next season, I believe if you include now, let's say whether it's Morgan Barron or a, a player, a cheap player a, a, along his salary lines who would be in the bottom six, I came up with 17 players um, with them. Rangers still needing to fill three to six spots on the roster, and they would have about twelve and a half million dollars to do that if they're you know kind of staying status quo and not making any trades. And you know, I think fitting 
Strom, Lemieux, and D'Angelo for 12 and a half would be a really tight squeeze. So, I mean, there is the chance that they kind of just try to squeeze in what they had last year, go one more year with these guys, and then when the salary opens up the final year with Lundquist and Smith and Stahl all coming off the books, that that is when they would be, you know, looking to make their splashier moves and really upgrade this roster. Um, But I do think that getting the number one pick does open up the possibilities for maybe more creative trade ideas like we've been talking about. And I do think that they're going to look into that. They basically, I see this offseason going one of two ways. They either kind of, it's status quo. Let's keep these guys, these are RFAs that we have on short-term deals, give them one more crack at it next year, and then really open up the books for 21-22. Or we get creative and, and we move, you know, maybe move some pieces in a trade, use some of these assets that we've accumulated and really try to shake things up and, and even speed up this rebuild even more. So I, I think those are the two routes that Gorton can go this offseason. And if he decides to go the latter route, I do think Buchnevich is somebody that they would be willing to talk about because, you know, he's on this bridge deal right now. He's got one more year on it. And then after that, what are you going to do? You're either going to have to, you know, increase his average annual va- value or, you're going to have to let him go. So I don't think the Rangers are going to want to, you know, lose him for nothing at any point. So you, you know, are you, are they going to be willing to give him that raise given all these other players that we've talked about, they're going to have to think about paying or, you know, do they want to explore the trade market for him? I think they will, but I think that they like him a lot. I think he's a very, very valuable piece. I know the analytics crowd loves him. And if you look at his analytics, I mean, you know, he was, he was, analytically, if you look at Rangers forwards, one of their best defensive forwards this season. Now, we could argue about that a little bit, but I think that Quinn would tell you, and I asked him this, uh, that Vucinevich has really improved that part of his game. Uh, I I believe he had the most points he's ever had this season, uh, playing fewer games than a a full, you know, 82-game season. So there's still upside there. I mean, I, I think that he is a legitimate top six right winger, uh, for them at this moment. And I do think that the easiest way, you know, you're talking about all the left wings that they have. I do think the easiest thing for them to do, especially because we know Quinn is a a coach who is not necessarily going to take his rookies and, and throw them into a prominent top six role. I think they're going to want Lafreniere to, to earn it. Um, So I could see him on the third line, uh, Kreider, Panarin, first and second line to start. And then, you know, if Lafreniere absolutely forces your hand and is lighting it up in the first couple months of the season, then you maybe consider moving pieces around a little bit. But I don't think right off the bat, I see them moving one of their left wing guys who have both of whom had really good seasons to the right to ju- just to get the rookie in there. I-, I don't necessarily think that that's how those started. So, I mean, there's just, there's just so many possibilities, but I think the, the starting point for your question was Buchnevich. Would they consider trading him? And I think the answer is yes but I think that they would view him as a very valuable piece that it would have to be a, a pretty major uh, return coming. Awesome. Awesome. Vince, I can't thank you enough for being on the show before we wrap up uh, officially uh, just please give out your Twitter handle and let everyone know uh, what's coming up for you and where they can find it. Yeah, I, I think, it would, I mean, Twitter, it's a little lengthy, but it's at VZ Mercogliano. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we can, we can figure out a way to direct you there if you have trouble finding it. Uh, hopefully, so, hopefully most of you are following already. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you can find my work on loha.com, northjersey.com, any of the, any of the papers in the New York, New Jersey area that fall under the USA Today umbrella. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of off-season plans coming up uh, in this next week. I'm planning to uh, finish off the series on the free agents. 
Uh, I also am going to take a look at potential free agents that the Rangers might target from other teams uh, in the near future. And I've got a, I've got a long list and a document of plans that we're going to do to get us through this offseason. Definitely a lot of NHL draft coverage coming up. Uh, definitely a, a big piece I've been working on on Lafreniere. Uh, so a, a lot of cool stuff coming your way. I'm, I'm planning to, to keep the content coming, you know, at least four or five stories a week all, all the way through the offseason. So uh, it's exciting. There's so many different – like this team, I feel like there's never a time where you catch your breath. It's always just one thing after another, and this number one pick just added a whole new element to the offseason. So it's pretty, it, it's definitely been – in. this is going into my second season on the beat, and it's they've definitely kept it very interesting in these first uh, 18 months or whatever it's been. Awesome. And this is going to be a fun and exciting off season for, for Ranger fans, for the organization, but for us who like love to write and talk about the team, it's just a lot going on. So Vince, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Please visit us at foreverblueshirts.com and check out my NHL work at the daily Everyone enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for joining us. Take care.